In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, presented by Betches Media. This is an exploration of all pop culture, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. We're looking at you, Tom Sandoval. Folks, welcome to an all-new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal Ryan, and this is your Friday episode. You have made it through the first week of 2024, so hats off. Congratulations. You did it. Of course, this was a shortened work week, but it still counts. You've made it to Friday, and now you get to spend the weekend setting yourself up for the best possible success in 2024. And we started 2024 with a bang. I am still thinking of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, that finale. The biggest chef's kiss that you could possibly give to a finale. And uh, unfortunately today, we're going to talk about the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, a big giant raspberry fart that aired the next day after Salt Lake City. Poor Beverly Hills, you know, like this was just a so-so episode. I'm going to tell you that right from the start. You probably watched it, so you know, and I think that's what happens when you have really good television. It kind of then sets your expectations in such a wonky way because I kept expecting like somebody to be revealed. I was like, oh my God, is Dorit, does Dorit have a burner account and she's making fun of Morgan Wade? I'm Morgan Wade, don't make fun of me, Dorit. (laughs) It just, uh, my expectations were so out of whack. So we're going to have fun with this recap today. We're going to do, we're going to just try to get through it. That's it. I'm going to talk a little bit about Salt Lake at the beginning though, just to balance things out because there is still new information coming at us at a fever pace. I hope you guys enjoyed the two and a half hour extravaganza recap that I did. Uh, Probably went a little out of control on that one. So hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, it is one of those things that I think we're going to be talking about for a long time to come. And I think there is so much information still yet to be uncovered with this whole thing. Now, I played you the clip of Monica and her mom arguing after Greek Easter. And a lot of people are like, oh, my God, Mon- Monica's mom says it right there. of like, you're an actress. You have to get along with these ladies. You know, and everybody's like, oh, my God, how dare. I'm, I don't know. I don't know why I'm not. I more saw that clip of them arguing and got and went, oh my God, this truly is the most toxic mother-daughter relationship. I mean, this felt like Steel Magnolias Part 2 in some ways, drink your juice, Shelby. But I I wasn't like, I wasn't offended that they were talking in terms of the show. I just thought like, man, I, I imagine a lot of these women 
go home at night and talk to their spouses, their family about how the show goes, about how they could do better, about how they're failing. You think Monica wasn't coming home talking to her dad or Sean when he was coming back from the mean streets of Salt Lake City and saying, I don't know, Meredith didn't invite me on this Palm Springs trip. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be on the cast. You don't think those conversations were being had? Yes, it is a little more lascivious and definitely more devious with Monica. And it seems if you look into Monica's history and past, there's a lot of that stuff out there. I would love to talk to Monica. I don't know how honest she would be, but more information is coming out. And a a thing that came out today that kind of was mind-blowing, but at the same time, starts to add to why I was so confused at certain aspects of the finale is that Jen Shaw filed a cease and desist against Monica Garcia and reality Von Tees in 2021. Now I'm no mathematician. We're now in 2024. You do a little subtract. That's three years ago. If my count, Jen Shaw was aware that Monica Garcia was behind reality Von Tees and a cease and desist was put out there. I mean, you know, we, we all saw that post today. If you didn't, it's out there for you to look at, but if that's the case, there's no way in Sam's hell that Heather Gay did not know going into this season. I'm sorry. There's just no way. I mean, it makes that mystery a little bit deeper, but at the same time, it doesn't. I think Heather knew going into this season, Once again, I don't really care. I mean, I don't care at the end of the day when she found out, but I think she knew, and I don't think it was this spur of the moment on the last day of the Bermuda trip before she brought out her little knitted dolls to do a scene by the triangle tables. I'm sorry. Heather is too smart for that. Now, still, the ladies of Salt Lake are so wacky, though, that Heather still comes off as potentially one of the more sane people on that cast. That's wild, isn't it? I mean, that's what Heather has going for her that a lot of the other ladies don't, is that she can still pass as a reliable narrator. I just think it's, I think she potentially might trip up at some point. I hope all of her ducks are in a row because it is getting a little confusing. And I think it is going to come out at some point that she knew a lot earlier and she might like kind of pass it off as, oh, I had my suspicions, but I think, I just think it was more than that. I really do think it was more than that. Now, this is another interesting thing that came out. This is reported by Anthony Dominic from Entertainment Tonight. Uh, This was a big question that we all had. It says, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City producers were unaware of Monica Garcia's involvement with Finsta account. And this is the quote. The casting team and producers were unaware of Monica's association with the Instagram account Reality Von and they had no knowledge of the account when she was cast, revealed a source to ET. While they were aware of her connection with Jen Shaw, they were completely unaware of the information that Heather discovered in Bermuda. Heather's revelation came as a surprise to the producers, um, much like the unexpected FBI visit at the Beauty Lab and Laser parking lot during season two involving Jen. So this is them saying they were not aware. Do we listen? I, I want to believe that. I do want to believe that. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna trust them. I know they were not aware of the Homeland Security busting down Jen at the Beauty Lab and Laser. But part of me still thinks Heather had to tip them off at some point on that trip, just so they could get the camera guys out at that dramatic beach moment with the four ladies. 
you know, and also <laughs> just kind of Heather had to tip them off and just like, hey, guys, shit's about to go down at this dinner. And they're like, yeah, we see the knitted dolls. Something's about to go down. So I thought that was a little piece of interesting information. Here's another piece of interesting information that came out today with one uh, Jen Blah. I'm sorry, Jen Shaw. This Jen Shaw, she is just you can just tell she is just itching. She, it just kills her that she is not on this show right now. And I, I don't know if she can take the temperature and read the temperature of the room, how well this did. In fact, the uh, season finale got the highest ratings for Salt Lake City this season. And that is before you factor in any of the Peacock ratings, any of the seven-day ratings. Just the night alone on the finale night got the highest ratings of this season. And I thought, well, well-deserved. But anyways... This is a quote um, Jen Shaw's people released. Uh, it says, if uh, if in the final cut, sorry, I'm just, <laughs> how my phones are hard to work, you guys. I'm just trying to find it. Don't uh, just talk amongst yourselves. We're going to get it right in a second here. Just pull, okay, here it is. Uh, this is the quote. If in the final cut of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City reunion, Heather makes any direct reference to Jen Shaw giving her the black eye, legal action will be taken by the Shaw family against Andy Cohen, NBC Universal, Bravo, Shed Media, and Heather for slander and defamation. So this was put out from Jen Shaw's camp. Jen Shaw threatens to sue Heather Gay and Bravo for slander and defamation following the black eye revelation. And this is what I'm talking about. First off, Heather, stop protecting Jen Blah. Stop it. Stop it. I don't know what she's got on you, but you got to stop it right now. She is literally once again calling you a liar in the press and going so far as saying she will sue. Because if you watch the reunion teaser, they too, they do talk about the black eye. And I'm going to say this. If if I do not hear if I do not hear Jen Shaw's name brought up directly in the talk about that black eye, I will sue the Jen Shaw family for death. I will. I need to hear this. You will not use bully tactics against Bravo, Andy Cohen, Heather Gay. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. We're gonna hear it. We're gonna hear it. And I'm sorry. You're filing this. You're you're making threats behind prison bars. Do you realize how much more ridiculous this makes you look? Like, call it a day, girl. My God. Like, what do you, what do you, I mean, and also Coach Shaw. What do you, what, this is just, it's bizarre on top of bizarre. And the more you pull shit like this, the more you lose us completely as an audience. The more we realize what a wackadoo you are. I mean, I reread your, uh, your your statement during sentencing where you brought up how you brought shame to your ancestors and all of this. You are still bringing shame to your ancestors. Like, honestly, at this point, I don't think Heather Gay, a year later, would admit that she lied just to throw you under the bus. Like, Heather knows this makes her look bad as well. But my God, what a mess. Like, this is season five right here, folks. This is season five. And this is what I was talking about on yesterday's recap about that tricky position that everybody's in over there about do they have Monica back? And I think you've got to consider having her back, not to make her more of a star, but to potentially get more information. If she is as guilty as everyone is saying, let her hang herself on TV. It all comes out on the wash. It all comes out in the wash. And also... 
you know, everybody that's high on their horses, like, listen, Jen Shaw, all of this stuff had come out about Jen Shaw. They let her come back. They let her come back. And I just, the more I sleep on this, the more I think, my God, you know, Heather Gay especially went after Monica with such zeal and hand claps and receipts and screenshots and blah, 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 blah. But they had a real criminal that you could point to actual documentation that built elderly people out of millions of dollars and you did none of this. But somebody talks some bad shit about you on a Finsta account and it is World War III. I'm sorry, I feel a little gypped that I didn't get that last season with some of you ladies with Jen Shaw. I still am trying to make sense of this. And there is one big piece of the puzzle missing. I know I'm starting to sound like a tinfoil hat man that Craig Conover potentially is, but it is so frustrating. Is it not frustrating to you? There's a piece missing. And by no means am I saying that Monica Garcia has the moral high ground. My God, no, not at all. But that's what these shows are, right? It's drama. It's drama. They're actress. It's drama. There, there's, it, there's a dramatic flair that when these shows are at its best, that's a part of it, is dramatic flair, is that these ladies' lives are turned upside down, and that's what we tune into. And that's why when you compare it to something like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills last night, it's very disjointed. Because the storylines are like, okay, are we dealing with Kyle? Okay, there's some stuff with Kyle and her family. Uh, Dorit has uh, done some boneheaded things and said some boneheaded things towards Garcelle. We're having that conversation. Sutton's going on another date. Anne-Marie Wiley, who's supposedly a cast member, is nowhere to be found, and I'm not complaining. I mean, it's just a very disjointed thing because you don't have any sort of through line right now. And when you see something like Salt Lake that had a 16-episode through line, you're kind of aghast because you're like, that's that's how it works. But at the same time, it's so hard to plan that stuff. But I do think Heather was well aware. I think there was more planning in this on Heather's part than we will than will ever be admitted to. I'm really excited for this reunion. So, anyways, that's that. How are you guys doing? Was it a was it an easy week? Was it a hard week? I put out a lot of content this week, so hopefully you guys are catching up on some of those episodes. Also, I released like a 45-minute Patreon today. I did a little pop culture roundup where I talked a little about the uh, the Epstein names that were revealed, talked a little Salt Lake, talked a little Vanderpump rules in regards to Tom taking a picture with a uh, uh, captive animal that Lala Kent did not enjoy those pictures. I talked a little bit about Selena Gomez and her new boyfriend, Benny Blanco. I talked about Zendaya and Tom Holland. I talked about the Golden Globe Awards. And can you can you believe the Golden Globe Awards are going to be this Sunday? I didn't even, it came up so quickly and it's kind of the start of award season. We'll be covering it on Monday, So Bad It's Good. So if you are a fan of the movies like I am, uh, we'll be doing a little segment about the Golden Globe Awards, but uh, it'll be interesting. It, you know, it's always fun to see stars. Uh, I do think eventually the Golden Globe, since they cover movies and TV, they need to start covering a couple more reality show categories. I think if they truly want people to tune in, you need to respect a lot of the said art forms. And they already do it with prestige television. They do it with movies. They do it with soundtracks. But why not prestige reality television? Why not best performance in a Bravo show? I mean, there we, we'd have so many people to choose from. You could have Meredith Mark. You know, they show those little clips. You would have Meredith Marks going like, you want to talk about your husband? 
talking about your husband. You can leave. And then you could have like uh, Kin Todd for Vanderpump Rules season 10. <laughs> oh, folks. Well, listen. This is my last recap of the week, so I'm going to try to put everything I have into this, even though it is not a solid episode. But listen, most of my episodes aren't solid, so I think it's going to do just nicely. Two not solid episodes together, a not solid podcast and a not solid episode of reality television. You put those together, you're going to get one thing that's almost able you you it's yeah it's just something you can listen to so. <laughs> folks summer is just around the corner so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees now i wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune and luckily i found quince now i have a lineup of timeless pieces i want that will keep me looking fresh year after year i got a pair of tan shorts i got a pair of green shorts i cannot wait to style these for summer and i gotta tell you the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, so let's get started. Uh, before we start, always uh, wanted to thank Juliana Carroza, who takes these notes. She really kicks ass. She's one of the best people uh, out there, and she always does this with... Uh, and, and by the way, you know, it's so funny with Juliana, she's been doing this now for like over a year and a half, or maybe, God, I don't even know, maybe even two years. And you can, you know, she's found her voice. She'll like throw these little comments into the notes. You know, I noticed on this one, there was like a Spanish line and I think it was just like, hola. And she was like, this means hello. And I was like, I got it. I got it. Okay. So this was aired on January 3rd, 2024, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, season 13, episode 10. This is called... Guess what the title is, folks? It's called Relentless Erica. Re-Lentless Erica. And on its face, you're like, okay, Relentless Erica. I get it. Erica really pushing. Erica, no. But then you that hyphen and you read Lentless. And that is where this title sings. Because Lentless, remember she gave up fighting with the women for Lent? It's that thing you do for God and Jesus. 40 days, you give up something. You know, my mom would always give up like sugar. And I would give up... Um, touching myself inappropriately and I'm Joe Cox. God, stop. But relentless, relentless saying Lent is over and she's getting all up into niece's business on this one. 
And we'll talk about that. But I, like I said two weeks ago when they aired the last episode before the holidays, I think this is such an unfair fight. It is watching like an old pro boxer like Mike Tyson coming back into the ring and they're slower. They're not as powerful. So they put them with like the weakest person out there just so they can still clobber somebody. And that's what this reminded me of because Denise is in no like did, I just thought what a mistake for Denise to come back. I mean, truly a mistake for Denise to come back in so many ways. But to think that you could actually face Erica even on a bad day. Like this is just, this is not even fun to watch. And everybody's like, Erica cleared Denise. Yeah, she better have cleared Denise. Denise seems like she's on a bunch of cough syrup most of the time. Denise seems like a fairly nice woman that obviously has some private things she wants to keep private. She is still offended by certain sexual situations, even though she's a very sexual being. And reality television is not the place for her. So to actually be talked into coming back and then Erica clearing her for like two different episodes in different party scenes, it's like we didn't even, we, I, I didn't expect Denise to all of a sudden know how to fight. I didn't expect all of a sudden Denise to be like, whoa, look, Denise must have been training on the off season. No way. Also, you know, it's a really tenuous episode when they start this week's episode replaying the last five minutes of the last episode where you're like, oh, God, you're just playing a full scene that we already talked about from last week's episode. So this is the summary that the cable company gives us to see if we're interested in this episode. It says Crystal's Taco Tuesday heats up when Denise. That's a really nice thing of Taco Tuesday. You know, because tacos, you sometimes put like a spicy salsa. I think that's where the heats up line. Taco Tuesday heats up when Denise's return brings back Erica's fiery side. After rehearsing with her matchmaker, Sutton finds herself in tune with a new date. And that's another really, whoever's writing this description, great. Because Sutton finds herself in tune with a new date. The tune, the great wording there, because they do talk about both loving karaoke, which, uh, You guys know my feelings on karaoke. But anyways, and then it says a tearful Kim asks Kyle to make amends with Kathy. And I do love the use of Kim this season. It is really nice to see her back. I think we had a big reveal from Kim when she first came on, letting us know that she is taking up art and more specifically coloring on her walls, Uh, just directly on her walls. So, And I do love Kim. I really... I think she's got such a big heart and you can tell it every time she's on screen, but there is a part of me that wants her to have colored pencils everywhere she goes as she just draws on like crystals walls or like it is any house when she gets nervous. You're like, Oh, where's Kim? Oh, she found a little, she found a little side room that she's just coloring. Oh, like a coloring book. No, just directly on the walls. Okay, cool. Um, so it says previously on real housewives of Beverly Hills. And we had that matchmaker, Alessandra, Sandra's matchmaker, uh, sorry, Sutton's matchmaker. That is this matchmaker is the most excited person to be doing their job that I've ever seen. She's like, so the first bachelor (laughs) bachelor S loves kids, loves to travel. And son's like, well, I just, I don't know. I need to. And Dorit in that scene is like, Oh my God, she's doing it. She's zooming in on his privates. Because they were showing on the iPad thing and Sutton was like, I want to check out this packet. There's not much of a lump there. A little like Jamie Allen White. I say, I say, Jamie Allen White from the bear. Did you see his Calvin Klein on this shot? That's what I'm looking for, Alessandra. 
And then we cut to a scene with Garcelle at lunch with Erica where Garcelle is like, I like to read, but I just feel like when we talk, we're not understanding each other. I think for someone who talks so much, she doesn't listen. And then Kim says, I, I do believe I, I'm going to get emotional. Life is just too short to fight. And that's a cut to a scene with her and Kyle where they were hiking and they were talking about Kyle's issues with their other sister, Kathy. Now, Kyle in a talking head goes, if Kathy and I have an argument, instead of it being just between us, all of a sudden it's just like, okay, then I'm cut off from everybody. Then we cut to the THC dinner over at Kyle's where Denise is fully lit, even though she says she did not drink or do THC, but she is lit uh, from within. And Denise is like, I was so fucking nice to you, Erica. And Eric's like, okay. And Denise is like, and you were a bitch to me. Okay. And you know it. I do. Okay. Go watch the show. Go watch the show. And Garcelle's like, oh. Also, I do want to point out Erica Jane, obviously, I think she's ended her run or is about to end her run on Bet It All on Blonde, her Las Vegas review, which I did have a couple of people write me after the last one saying that they enjoyed it. It wasn't packed, but they said it was good. I do also want to point out that she had lunch with a group of women, and one of those women was Lou Taylor. And Lou Taylor, if that name sounds familiar, she is the woman that got control of Britney's finances that did like this kind of back, back alley deal with Britney's dad and is not, does not seem to be a very, you know, I don't, you know, like doesn't seem to be on the up and up fully and just did some really weird things in regards to Britney Spears. But like, I'm sure Erica Jane was chomping at the bit to even have that meeting, but I don't know. That's not a good look, Erica. I'm sorry. I know you're just trying to get out there and you're trying to do anything that possible, but Lou Taylor, come on, man. Don't, don't make that, don't make that mistake. Anyways, we open back up at Crystal's taco Tuesday dinner at Crystal's and Denise is like, this is quite the spread. Denise, definitely not anywhere as lit as she was at the THC dinner. And Crystal's like, okay, should we go eat? Are you guys hungry? And Dorit is like, I'm hearing about this fabulous night you guys had. You made out with your driver, Sutton. Cause Sutton revealed last episode that she made out with her driver. Sutton Strack made out like, I mean, stop for a, just think about that. She hires this drive. This is one of her drivers. She made out with her driver. This isn't an Uber driver. This is a driver. She hires like, well, I was just, I don't know. I was out on the town and you know, he asked me to come up front with him. I say, I say, and then I'll just, I don't know. One thing led to another and we just lock lips. <laughs> um, Garcelle's like, Oh my God. And Dreet's like, okay. And Garcelle's like, okay. You're saying it to embarrass Sutton, and that's not okay. And Dorit's like, we're having a good time, you guys. And Garcelle's like, if you have to say it like that, we're not having a good time. And Dorit's like, I'm saying it because you just attacked me. And Garcelle, pay attention to that word attacked. And Garcelle goes, for the record, I didn't attack you. We were having a conversation. And Dorit's like, what's a good word? What's a better word? And Garcelle's like, I don't know. But I feel like for you and your privilege, I can't. Now, this is a conversation I feel like we've had between Dorit and Garcelle many times. I believe Garcelle has pointed this out, similar microaggressions that Dorit has had towards Garcelle many times. Now, we'll have this conversation a little bit later in this show, and I do want to state right off the bat, like, yeah, dude, a white dude 
probably not the best to explain any of this scene. So I will do my best, but always take anything that I say with a grain of salt. I'm just going to call it as I see it. But this is one of the problems with Beverly Hills, though. I don't mean microaggressions, even though that is horrible, but you have a group of ladies at their core. And it's different than Salt Lake because I don't think they're really friendly with each other, but it's different with Beverly Hills. Like you really get the sense this season more than any other season that none of these people hang out on the outside. You know, once cameras go down, these people barely see each other. You might have the odd Sutton Garcelle or um, Sutton Crystal hangout, maybe, but you really get that sense this season. And Kyle used to be this unifier and Kyle is kind of on an island by herself as well. And she's put herself there. They're not putting her there. She's kind of removed herself from a lot of these things. So then when you have these conversations, there's no real, there's weight to it because you can tell Garcelle is offended in these conversations with Dorit. But at the same time, you know, at the end of the day, Garcelle just doesn't like Dorit. And listen, that's got a bum Dorit out. It's probably bums a Garcelle out. But sometimes in this world, we just don't like the cut of someone's jib and you're just never going to like them. And so when you get into these scenes, they're frustrating because there's really nowhere to go because no matter how hard anybody tries, Garcelle, and Garcelle knows this deep down, she just doesn't like Dorit. She just doesn't like Dorit. So it's hard to watch those scenes because I think when we watch fighting, we watch it. And I think subconsciously we watch it hoping that these people will make up at some point. And I know that sounds weird, but think about it. We watch this because sometimes we we think or we hope that, okay, they're going through a rough patch, but let's see how they get out of this. And with this, I just don't think Garcelle and Dorit are ever going to get out of this. So it feels sometimes like a wasted moment. Because Dorit is ignorant to a lot of things. She does live in a bubble. Do I think Dorit is outright racist? No, God, no, not at all. Do I think she makes a lot of microaggressions? Do I think she's been told about these things uh, a lot? Yeah, I do. But I just think Dorit does live in this bubble. I'm not trying to make excuses for her, but I am saying on both hand, both sides, you can tell Dorit doesn't like Garcelle and Garcelle definitely doesn't like, like Dorit. So these conversations are doubly painful to watch because they're just not going to go anywhere. And you see how pained they both are to deal with each other. It's it's very interesting to watch. Anyways, Dorit in a talking head's like, if you don't like me, Garcelle, stop pretending that you do. Beep, boop, 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 boop. And we re-enter Taco Tuesday and Dorit's like, did you clear up that thing with Erica? She's talking to Denise. And Erica's like, no, we haven't. Denise is like, no. Oh, you haven't? And Denise is like, no. And Erica's like, no, we haven't, potsterer. Calling Dorit a potsterer. And Denise is like, okay, cool. By the way, Denise is dressed like Sandy in the last scene of Grease. Like, tell me about it, stud. The fear, the weight of my vaccine. Like she's all dressed like a, like a, like a, uh, you know, a, a pink lady with the, but she's like dressed like Sandy. Sandy. Wop, bop, loo, bop. Isn't Grease such a seminal, like for me, Grease, I think about the movie Grease at least a couple times a week. In fact, if you listen to this podcast, I bring the movie Grease up so much. I think it's one of those movies. I don't know if it's just for me, but like those movies that you think about all the time, it's one of those pop culture moments for me that when I saw it for the first time, it just kind of imprinted on me like uh, Jacob did to that uh, poor Renesmee um, in Twilight. 
it's that movie that I always think about. I always compare it to. Like if I see something close to Greece, I'll be like, oh, that reminds me of Greece. I even do that with Greece too, with Michelle Pfeiffer, which as I get older, I sometimes enjoy more than Greece. Fun fact. Anyways, Dorit's like, I'm going to see my husband, PK, who I have not seen in a week. Beep, boop, 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 boop. And Erica's like, y'all leaving? I am. Hey, give me a hug before you go. You know, Miss Erica, loving hugs, just a real salt of the earth, loves the warmth of a touch and friendship. Like, who the fuck is this Erica? Dorit, on her way out of the door, is like, I'm so ready to go home. Dorit just kind of beelined it after that thing with Garcelle. And then she kind of like lit a match with Denise and Erica and was like, I need to go see if PK is eating crisps when I've told him not to and eating full sugared Coke. I'm trying to get him to drink Diet Coke. Anyways, Eric is like, okay, so what are you upset about, Denise? And Denise is like, first of all, to insinuate that my daughters, who's 14 years old, would have a threesome, I think is beyond, beyond inappropriate. You're shaking your head, Erica. Yeah, I'm shaking my head. I'm Erica Jane. Because that's not what it was about. Children these days, if they have a phone, they have access to everything. Of course they know about sex. From back to butthole, as Heather Gay writes in her book, Bad Mormon. And Denise is like, this was about my kids, though. Also, Erica Jane, I love in her head. You know, she did raise a son who's fully grown, but I love she's like, well, they have a phone. You know, they know about, you know, like, you know, they know everything about sex. And I guess there is a certain logic to that. But at the same time, Erica, I think probably a lot of parents are trying to keep that away from kids as much as possible. Uh, I don't have kids, so I don't know where I fully stand on it. But I do think, um, you know, doing the hippity dippity, the 69ing, the Eiffel Towering, I don't, I would prefer that if I had a kid, they would not start really looking into that on their phones until 16 or 17. I, who knows? Anyways, Denise is like, this was about my kids though, Erica. Okay, well, your oldest daughter's on OnlyFans. She doesn't know. And then he's like, that's a fucking low blow, Erica. To bring up my daughter's OnlyFans right now? Okay, okay. And Erica's like, well, what did you think I was going to do? Come in here and not mention the OnlyFans after you called me a bitch and a cut? Did you really think I was going to play nice with you? Did you really think I was going to come in and be what? Above it all? I'm Erica Jane. And Denise goes, you are a mean woman. You asked for it. No, I did not. Well, you shouldn't have come up all in your house acting like a fucking bitch. And then we wouldn't be here. And Denise goes, you shouldn't act like a fucking bitch. Great comeback. <laughs> Erica's like... What, four years ago when nobody remembers? I think it's great. I just want to know who's more profitable, you or Sammy? Sammy's her daughter. They're both on OnlyFans. Now, Garcelle rolls her eyes. Kim, poor Kim Richards, is like gulps her drink. And you can just tell. She's like, where's my colored pencils? Sutton, we see a thing of Sutton. She's like, zoinks. And Denise goes, you're unbelievable. I am. I am unbelievable. And they both sit there nodding their heads at each other. It's a stare down. And Denise goes, hmm. And Erica goes, uh And then Sutton looks down, rubs her eyes, trying to disappear. Make make me a bird so I can fly far, far away. Make me a bird so I can fly far, far away. I wish my horse Santos was here right now. Oh, dear heavenly Lord above, I say, I say, if you can hear me, send Santos. Come a-calling. I know it's a rainy night up here at Crystal's. 
but I need Santos right here so I don't have to hear two women talk about the statistics of an OnlyFans. I'll say, I'll say. Also, I would love to see the figures of the OnlyFans because you got to admit, this is kind of like a commercial for both Denise and her daughter's OnlyFans. Anyways, Kyle and I talking to goes, well, apparently Lent is over. Huh? We get a flashback to the Vegas jet ride where Erica is saying, I gave up fighting with y'all for Lent as a good Catholic. Remember when Erica Jane, when she was in that mansion bought by the victim's monies, um, she had that prayer room. Do you remember that? It was part of the house. Anyways, Kyle continues in a talking head laughing, going, that's in Sorry. That didn't last long. Uh, Denise in this scene goes, I did not want to fight, okay? Nathan and I. Erica barely breaking a sweat. Like, not at all. And Garcel goes, what do you want from her? And Denise goes, I wanted to ask what I did to you for you to do what you did with about my kids. And Erica's like, it had nothing to do with your kid. Do you remember at your barbecue? There was a table of us around a table of kids. And we were all talking about threesomes, sexual stuff whatever. I just love that. It's like, yeah, it's a classical American BBQ, you know? Hey, I'll have a burger and a hot dog. And could you talk about 69 a little bit, please? Yeah. Oh, looking good over there. I love Erica just saying this very casually. Also, it is funny that this is something from four years ago. And it almost feels like Denise didn't do her homework was like, they were like, okay, um, Lisa Ren is not here anymore. And I know you were mainly angry with her. So what could, if you came back, what's still, what's still in your craw? What, what's still, what's still are you upset about? And she's like, well, I don't really remember my time. Um, what could it, and they're like, well, uh, you, you got mad at Erica that one season because of the, the, the barbecue. Oh, did I? Well, what did we talk about? Well, it was something about three. Oh yes. It feels a little like that because there's not really a huge part of me that thinks Denise lives her day to day life going, God damn that Erica Jane bringing up the old threesomes at a big Malibu BBQ. Anyways, Denise is like, well, not all of us were talking like that. And Erica goes, hold on. You just talked about your husband's big dick five minutes before. I love that Erica has a very clear recall of this four-year-ago dinner. Denise goes, I did not talk about it at dinner with my kids at the next table, Erica. Sutton rolls her eyes. Sutton in a talking head goes, well, I was at that party, people. I was there. We get a flashback to 2019 to the dinner party at Denise's. And Denise is at the table holding court going, he still has a big penis and big muscles, so it's all good. <laughs> so she definitely is talking about her husband's big Johnson around the kids. Sutton continues in a talking head and is like, well, Denise, you got some splaining to do. <laughs> oh, you do. And Erica in this scene goes, Denise, I'm right. Anyway, I got and Denise goes, no, you're not right. I am right. No, you're not. A hundred percent. I know I'm right. Uh, I think you're wrong. Okay, great. Well, I'm right. My point is... And then he's like, no, you're not. We were all speaking about these things. All of a sudden, you single me out. You take me to coffee and talk about, well, you know my children. We get a flashback to that lunch in 2019. Why are we... I mean, we're, we're, we're re-litigating a past that we don't need to re-litigate, but I guess to have Denise back. Anyways... Denise in this flashback of 2019 goes, I went to lunch yesterday with Sammy, my oldest daughter, and she overheard some things. I'm sure that they did. And Denise goes, well, yeah. So she mentioned threesomes. Um, well, I apologize, you know, because 
I have the nastiest mouth ever. Denise goes, well, I don't have the cleanest mouth either. Also, wouldn't it be great if this was Sammy's origin story? She, Denise is like, yeah, after that uh, picnic, that's when she started being curious about OnlyFans. You never know, right? Also, I love Erica. I always think this about Erica. I've said it many times. Nastiest mouth, talks sex all the time. I think she potentially is probably... Um, asexual in a lot of ways is that people that like hit you over the head with sexuality are usually the people that care about it the least. They just talk big. I'm not saying that she's never had sex before. Obviously I just don't think it potentially interests her as much as it titillates her to watch other people's reactions to her saying those things, you know, the big body, that stereo, the big body, B A W D Y, the, the stereotype, the Mae West kind of type person. Anyways, um, Crystal's friends, uh, are no longer there in the room. Cause remember Crystal had just some like extras, some friends, just random friends. They're out of the room for this. They've been moved over to the kitchen. So, uh, they are not present for this interaction. Like they were when Sutton was talking about making out with her driver. Um, also this was the moment when I realized Anna Marie Wiley is still not here. And I've got to tell you at this point, they have to be cutting her parts out or shaving them down because why talk about this new cast member and we're 10 episodes into the season and I think we've seen about an episode and three quarters with her. I don't understand what's going on with her character. And I know she's back next week in the preview, but already back next week, she starts talking about Sutton's small esophagus. And again, and I'm like, yo, we're going to go back to the small esophagus talk. Why don't we go back to 2019 and talk about this barbecue again about threesomes? Also, if you haven't check out my episode from two weeks ago with Tiffany moon from real housewives of Dallas, who walks us through all of that esophagus talk. Good stuff. Anyways, Erica in this scene goes, Denise, I apologize at Sasquatch Coffee. Nice plug for Sasquatch Coffee there. I said, you know what? I'm very sorry. I wouldn't have done that. And Denise goes, I didn't bring it up. You did. Erica sighs like, ah. Listen, Denise, I have nothing left for you. You can think however you want of me. You can feel however you want. I have nothing left to say. They again stare at each other. And they both drink from their identical glasses at the same time so they don't let the other one one-up them. I wish this was the entire episode. I wish this stare down lasted for 43 minutes. And Erica goes, I didn't want this fight. And Denise goes, yeah, you did. You needed it to get off all the other shit going on in your life. Denise trying to make a small comeback here. And Erica goes, absolutely not. And Denise goes, absolutely. That's what you do. You deflect. Erica, Erica, stop being so condescending. Now, Erica says in just a low, slow, calm tone, she goes, Denise. We haven't deflected anything about my life in the last few years. Absolutely not. There's been no deflecting. Kyle's staring back at each one. Kyle's staring back and forth at each one of these ladies. And Denise is like, really? And you're the one that claims they didn't know about the $20 million that was deposited in their fucking account? And poor Kim. Kim just is like, And then Garcelle's like, oh, shit. And Erica's like, it wasn't actually. And the government's. And Denise goes, oh, really? The government's proven that, so you're a little late. And Denise goes, oh, okay. Oh, well. Oh, okay. Oh, well. Also, I do think the deflection, like, Erica deflected plenty last season. I mean, that's not true. But Erica kept her cool. Uh, Denise tried something here, and it just didn't work at all. 
Uh, Erica, it was just like swatting away a tiny fly. Did not even. Anyways, Kim suddenly stands up and does like a goofy face. And she's like, oh, woohoo. <laughs> okay. It was so nice. Uh, I'm going to excuse myself. I'm going to go color on my walls at home. And Erica's like, excuse yourself. Okay. Bye, honey. Good to see you. Crystal walks Kim to the door. Get home safe. And Denise goes, Erica, you hit below the belt. You do. Oh, Denise, fuck off. I've had it. You know what? You had your chance a week ago. You failed. You failed again tonight. And that's it. Conversation over. Bye. And Erica joins the other women in the kitchen. Erica in her talking head goes, Don't come for me, Denise, when you're on OnlyFans for $7. I mean, I do wonder what she makes, though. I mean, hopefully it's good. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully it's good money. Man, when I pinch my nose like that, it does really mess with my congestion. That's a little peek behind the curtain, guys. Um, it, karma is funny, though, right? Like, Erica has this great line about Denise nudes for $7, but then we found out her tickets to her Vegas show were, like, going for $5. So, you know, karma's weird that way. It's a good comeback, but you got to watch yourself. And, like, you got to make sure your side of the street is clean to be able to have those jokes really land because all I was thinking about is Erica Jane's poorly selling concert tickets. You know, it's a good line, but make sure you're doing okay before you talk about somebody else's financial situation. And I just felt like, once again, this was such a favor to Erica by putting her in a scene with somebody three weights lower like i mean like just in a different weight class entirely than erica like this should i mean this is just i felt like this was something just to make erica feel good about herself like let's put denise in the cage she'll easily win this anyways kyle goes really it should be children and families are off limits you know it should be between all of us that's the other thing too is erica that is a low blow you don't fucking bring up kids even if they've done only fans especially if they've done only fans you know, I mean, that's just, that's gross. It's a different situation than even like talking about Teresa's uh, child, right? I mean, that actually is a similar situation because I think Jackie said something like offhanded about drugs. This is about sexuality. You want to really steer clear of that shit. Anyways, Garcelle goes, why didn't you just say that to her when she just said that? And Denise goes, I know. Why don't you step in? And Garcelle goes, why didn't you just say that shit? She's sitting right next to you. And Kyle goes, I was letting you guys talk it out. Why didn't anybody stand up for me the other night? Why didn't anybody say that's wrong to do? And Garcelle's like, say about what? About the ring. And Mo must have bought that for me because he cheated. Why didn't anyone say that for me then? We flash back to the THC dinner one week earlier where Garcelle goes, Kyle, what's with the new band? I thought it was a makeup band. A makeup band? What does that mean? Well, when your husband messes up and you get a gift. So what you're saying is my husband cheated on me. Kyle in a talking head says, where the fuck has everybody been when I needed them? Are you kidding me? Do you want to play every man for themselves game? Because then we're going to play it across the board. Now, if we play that, can we do it with those little knitted dolls that Heather Gay brought out in Bermuda? I'm Eunice. I'm here to play the ever man for themselves game. <laughs> But this is classic Kyle, though, right? This is about a completely different situation. Don't talk about the kids. And Kyle has managed to, God love her, she's managed to put the spotlight back on herself. Like She's like, what about me? Kyle yells at this party. Not one person said, that is so weird to sit there and say, oh, she has a new piece of jewelry. Must be that her husband bought it because he cheated. That's not cool, guys. That's her family. That's her husband. Her kids are upstairs. She's talking about herself now in the third person. 
And I love that. It's like, yeah, but Kyle, if you're saying all that, you're saying also you're eating weed at a THC dinner while your kids are upstairs. And Sutton speaks up. She's like, well, I never said he cheated. No one said a fucking thing. So guess what? Fuck everybody. I'm sorry. You guys can fucking figure it out. Like, Kyle, what the fuck? Garcelle in a talking head goes, I didn't defend Kyle when Sutton was questioning about her marriage because I, too, am curious about Kyle's marriage. And I'm just going to throw this in. I, three, am curious about Kyle's marriage. Anyways, Garcelle goes, I'm done. And Sutton's like, well, I'm just going to talk to y'all. And Garcelle gets up to go. She's like, I'm good. Garcelle in a talking head goes, the ring switching, working out so much. It seems like a lifestyle change. It's weird to me. I don't know. Garcelle goes, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. And Denise is like, oh, wait, I, I, I came with you. Wouldn't it be great if Denise didn't realize until Garcelle left? And then Erica Jane was like, I guess I have to take you home, Denise. Uh, don't try to hit on me like you did with Brandy Glanville. Um, so Sutton, everybody's saying goodbye. Crystal walks him out. Denise is like, um, okay, maybe I'll do Taco Tuesday next time. Crystal, when I talk to that, goes, I really thought Erica had changed. And seeing her talk like this, it's just the old Erica coming back. Right here is the moment where I started feeling like, man, it is so different than watching the Salt Lake finale. Like the fights actually had weight. It actually meant something. Like we just had a whole Kyle freak out and immediately right after we have Crystal in a talking head bringing us back to the Erica Denise fight and Erica talking about a child. Like why did we even leave that Kyle scene in? It just seemed so weird. Anyways, Erica says goodbye to the ladies in the kitchen. Like, hang on, I won't leave. Oh, it's I'll clear Denise. ha. <laughs> Anyway, she's like, you're a lovely hostess, Crystal. Sorry I ruined your dinner. Good night, ladies. Crystal continues in a talking head. You cannot stay stuff like that. You cannot attack people's kids. It's too far. Sutton's standing at the door. She's like, well, that was super fun. <laughs> Where's Santos? But no, her car pulls up and Crystal laughs. and like, you're welcome. And Kyle calls out, bye. Hey, Sutton, don't make out with your driver. And Sutton's like, I will kill you, Kyle. How dare you say that? And Kyle's like, don't be pulling over. You may jump in that front seat. Sutton says to her driver, well, don't you worry about it, Colleen. Don't you worry about it. I guess she has a female driver tonight. Or did she make out with the female driver? Wouldn't that be amazing too? Anyways, it is a bright new shiny day in Beverly Hills. And over at Sutton's house, she's talking to her pet fish, Avi Jr. That's right. She's named her pet fish, Avi Jr., like her assistant, Avi. And I think that's just shows the close working relationship that Avi and Sutton have that uh, she has named one of her fish, Avi Jr. Okay, so Sutton is there with Avi Jr. And I feel like since we now know that Sutton likes the wacky tobacco, she likes a little bit of the 420 action, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Cheech and Sutton. Uh, I feel like Sutton is just staring at this fish tank just stoned out of her gourd. She's like, oh, I say, I say, look at little Avi Jr. Sometimes I just like to stand here for hours. Look at all the fishes, I say, I say. Sometimes I wish Santos, I could shrink him down to a little fish size and put him in there with Avi Jr. And Avi Jr., I say, I say, I could be friends with Santos. And sometimes I'll be like, do a little fish race, Avi Jr. <laughs> By the way. This would be also uh, Crystal, Rob, Rob Minkoff, if you're listening, Crystal, if you're listening, please pass this on to your husband. Let's do a Pixar movie called Sutton's Fish Tank. And we have little Avi Jr., the fish, and we could have little, uh, little Santos. We'll do some kind of plot point where little Santos has been shrunken down and he can breathe in water. I don't know. I'm not a creative like that. I'm going to leave that up to Rob, but this would be a great Pixar movie. Sutton's Fish Tank. Um, 
and son's like, well, hello, you little people are getting, you little people are getting fed, just a big fish. What have you little people done to him? I say, I say, what y'all do? Oh, okay, I sound like a crazy person. Sutton is just fully doing a monologue at this fish tank, kind of like Kyle on Summer House when he's alone in the kitchen just eating cookies. And he's like, God, I'm getting old. Ugh. Anyways, that scene was fascinating. That was another scene where I was like, God, couldn't we have just done another five minutes of Sutton just talking to her fish tank? of like, oh, my God, look at the little rocks. Or like have, have Sutton do a scene at Petco. Well, I'm here because I want to get a bigger fish tank for little Ovid Jr., I don't get a, I won't put him in and maybe get some piranhas or something and see if Ovid Jr. knows how to fight. I say, I say, woo. Uh, now we drone over to Kyle's mansion. We see our German shepherd, Riff, Rich, River, River having a good scratch. Kyle and Portia. Man, we've watched Portia grow up on screen. Portia's like, Mom, what are we going to do for dinner tonight? And Kyle's like, if it's not too complicated, I can cook. I mean, don't ask me for lasagna right now. And Portia's like, I know, but what's going to be our main dish, though? You know what? You get what you get. And Portia goes upstairs. Love you. This is when, I God, I need... I need a little Morgan Wade in this episode. Like, yeah, Portia's right. What's going to be the grub tonight? She stalked me. What are we eating? Are we going to eat the snack whales? We fly over to Garcelle's. We see her in the kitchen on FaceTime calling her son Jade. And he's like, me mama. And Garcelle's like, me mijo? And this is where Juliana Carroza wrote, that's Spanish for son. And I was like, ooh. And she's like, oh, I hear a girl's voice. Let me guess. Ashlyn. Ashlyn pops up on screen. Hey. Garcelle's like, what are you all doing in the bed? And Jade's like, we're watching a movie, mom. And Garcelle's like, "Uh uh-huh. Where's your father? And he's like, over there. All right. Have fun. She zooms the phone in and out of her face repeatedly going, too much fun. Come on. Oh my God, that does got to worry you as a parent when you get to that that age where girls and guys or guys and guys or girls and girls, however you, you want to love, they're, you know, it's, it's got to be so scary for parents, right? Garcelle to her assistant goes, what were they doing in that bed? I don't like it. Then we go over to Dorit's house and Dorit, we finally have a real star in this episode and that is Dorit's daughter, Phoenix. Uh, we do not get a little Jagger uh, appearance, a little Jagaloo. He's my favorite. But this Phoenix, she is a star. And Dorit's like, Phoenix, should I wear these Chanel hoops or my diamond studs? Beep, boop, 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 boop. And she holds one of each earring up to show Phoenix, who's only the age of seven. And Phoenix's like, diamond studs all the way. Are you a fucking idiot? And Dorit's like, I think she's here. Because there's a knock at the door. And Phoenix opens the door. And Dorit's like, oh, you look so cute. And Darth Vader, oh, sorry, Erica enters, and Erica's like, thank you. Hi, princess. How are you? To, to little Phoenix. And this is, I was like, don't let Erica around your kids. Are you kidding me? Erica's collecting information on all the kids of Beverly Hills. She's like a horrible dancing Freddy Krueger. Are you kidding me? She's going to haunt all the kids of Beverly Hills dreams. And Phoenix is like, good. Are you the lady that didn't have any sympathy for the victims of your husband? No, she gives Erica a hug, and Erica's like, Nice to see you, little lady. You're growing up so fast. Hey, Mama. She is. She is growing up fast. Hello, honey. Come on in. We're going to go outside. She's going to get us drinks. <laughs> if we have drinks. And Erica's like, May I have a Coke like your mom? And Phoenix goes, I just knew it. A regular Coke. Did you know it? Regular Coke, not Diet Coke. Mom just told me. See? 
The other day she says to me, Mama, I have such a great model walk. She's a performer in this one. She really is. Phoenix, why don't you get the Coca-Cola baby for Erica? And then bring it back with your model walk. Maybe I can put you in my new Vegas review. Better not all blonde with Erica Jane. And Dreet's like, thank you so much, my love bug. Thanks, Phoenix. So, what's going on? What happened after I left Taco Tuesday? Girl? Oh, my goodness. You know, the Denise of it all. Oh, God. Beep, boop, bop, beep, boop. Denise. What was she saying? Well, she was, uh, what did you do to my daughters? And what did you say about my children? <laughs> like, you're mad at me for something for four years ago? And then Erica Jane does like a husky Denise voice. She's like, you know what it is. No, I don't. And then you know it got to where, like I said, listen, who makes more on OnlyFans, you or your daughter? And this is where Phoenix is like, here's your Coke. What? What's OnlyFans? No, she's not there anymore. Thank God. Dorit laughs. She's like, hee, oh my God, <laughs> you're bad. You're very bad. I had it, Dorit. I didn't want to do this. Also, it kind of made me have this moment of, do you think on the ride home that night, Erica Jane was all proud of herself and called like Rinna of like, hey, Rinna, get this. I just took down Denise. <laughs> Tell me everything. I'm just sitting here looking at my naked body dancing to Harry Styles. I'm debating putting it on TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> Harry's downstairs making his spring bowl in Asia. Yeah, well, anyways, Denise was like, remember four years ago when I fucking said no? <laughs> you done me proud, young pad one. <laughs> you know Erica's like feeding Rena information. She's like, oh, Erica, Erica, is there anything that you're finding out that I can report to Radar Online? <laughs> they need me as a source still. <laughs> Anyways, Eric and the talking head goes, you wanted this fight, Denise. You picked this fight, so here it is. And now, oh my God, you're evil. Really? You're dumb. This fight, like, that's what I said. And once again, I don't know. Maybe I'm in my manopause era, but I just didn't care. It, it just wasn't even an interesting fight. So it's like, yeah, Erica cleared Denise, but anybody could have cleared Denise. I mean, Crystal's housekeeper could have cleared Denise. It just... There, there was no stakes. Anyways, Erica finally is like, there she is coming down the catwalk, Miss Phoenix. Phoenix walks out carrying a tall glass of Coca-Cola with ice and a plate of snacks in her hand, wearing a big smile. And Phoenix is like, no, I'm not doing the catwalk. And Erica's like, did you bring snacks? And Phoenix is like, yeah, they're from Passover. Erica's like, what a beautiful little hostess. And Dorit blows her a kiss. Bye, baby girl. <laughs> Tell your brother Jackaloo. Hello. Erica eats a cookie. This looks yummy. Let me ask you this, because I walked in at the end. What were you and Garcelle talking about that you guys got so heated over? And then first, before we go into that story, we pop back over to Garcelle's. Garcelle's on FaceTime call with Sutton. She's like... Hi. Well, hello. How are you? I'm good. I say, I say, I'm tired. You know, I'm an emotional person. I didn't like seeing your face the other night. And Garcelle's like, I was really messed up after that. I cried to sleep and I woke up and I wasn't better. I mean, the word attack, the word attack, talking about Dorit saying, you attacked me. You attacked me. Garcelle in a talking head goes, 
I would hope somebody who's in my group would know better than to use certain words or say certain things. I didn't lunge at her. I didn't grab her. I didn't do anything that considered it attacking, right? She just doesn't get me. She doesn't know my world. She doesn't care to know. She's in her world, her bubble, and there's rainbow and unicorns everywhere. Sutton in this scene is like, well, I think the word attack, when we're getting in a heated conversation, can go towards that. And Garcelle's like, aggressive? Yeah, an angry black woman. And Garcelle's like, yes, yes, yes. And son's like, ah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 ah, yeah, yeah. Back over at Dorit, Dorit's like, I just feel I need to have a few days. You know, I need to process everything. Dorit and talking that goes, when I use the word attack, I did not mean to have it be the type of connotation that would trigger or offend Garcelle. Now I feel like I have to get a grasp on how to best approach it. Back to Garcelle's, Sutton's like, well, don't worry, Garcelle, about that. You went after the privilege. Don't worry about that. Two days earlier at Taco Tuesday, we're reminded when Garcelle told Dorit, I feel like for you and your privilege, I just can't. Back in this scene, Sutton's like, well, I think she just lives in a bubble. I love Sutton saying this when we just saw her in a scene talking to little Avi in a fish tank. And Garcelle's like, I agree. Back to Dorit. Dorit's like, I feel like over the last few years, we made steps forward. And then I felt blindsided again. You can tell that Erica's barely listening. I just truly think Erica's in her own world. That's another thing, though. I feel like a lot of these ladies, they just are checked out. They're checked out, but also checked out because we've done these scenes before. You know, Garcelle has had similar scenes with Dorit, and Dorit still keeps kind of using similar language. Now, like I said, I don't think Dorit is doing it on purpose, but I do think it is something to clock, especially if it's a castmate or a friend, and it's something good just to know in everyday life, that this bothers somebody. This bother, you're not supposed to kind of use these words. You can learn from these situations. It doesn't have to be a personal attack, just I didn't know. I can course correct. Eric and a talking head goes, I don't think Dorit's a malicious person. <laughs> Not like me. When Dorit knows better, she does better. You know, she does. I don't believe she knew, and now I'm sure she knows. And I'm sure she will never do that again. And I'm sure that she feels terrible because I know Dorit's heart. Oh, good. Oh, good. Erica Jane knows Dorit's heart. Interesting. Erica goes, well, Dorit, you've got to talk to her. Dorit shakes her head up and down. Now it's a beautiful day and some upbeat music takes us to Sutton's house where her cats are sunning. Uh, can you imagine these f- f- fucking lucky cats? You know, fucking live in a mansion just sunning all the time. Their owner wears sweaters with their faces on it. And Sutton's preparing to meet with this matchmaker lady again. Sutton is talking to her son. She's like, well, I have a really hard time with her name. The matchmaker's name, I'll say, I'll say it starts with an A. Um, it's not Alyssa. Oh, man, why can't I remember this poor woman's name? It feels like you would have this on an email or a call sheet. I don't know. Meanwhile, it's Alessandra, Alessandra, and Alessandra is pulling up for the appointment and knocks on the door. And just to, you know, fill you in once again, Alessandra seems like if she had a Panera Bread lemonade, the overly caffeinated kind, like she's just chugged it before she comes into any scene. Sutton opens the door, she's like, well, look how pretty you look. And Alessandra's like, what a beauty. We are in the same color. And they're both just wearing pink. Alessandra says the same thing the last time she was there also. And Sutton's like, oh, well, we keep doing that. We keep wearing the same color palette. We get a flashback to the last time because... Of course, as an audience, we can't just believe what we heard. They have to show it to us. And Alessandra's like, I love the pink. And Sutton's like, we're both in pink, so that's good. 
Sutton, in this moment, uh, present day, it was like, come, come, sit right here, Alessandra. And Alessandra's like, so, Miss Sutton, our bell of the ball. Well, we're going to do our report card. Alessandra's like, oh my gosh, okay, okay. Before we go into your date feedback, Sal had really good feedback. Sutton completely winces. She's like, oh my goodness gracious, I don't know if I can hear any of this. Oh my goodness. And she just looks negative. Remember, she didn't like Sal. He talked about his mom too much. Alessandra's like, well, so tell me, how did it go? And she's like, well, um, it started off slowly, I guess. But we uh, we loosened it up and we we talked about his mother. And she does a big pause. And then I made out with my driver. <laughs> hubba, hubba. No, she just said, so we talked about his mother. And there's a pause and Alessandra's like, oh, okay. And then we get to flashback to that date. And Sal's like, I get back about every two months to see mom. And I'm going to tell you my favorite mom story. And then we flash to another scene where he's like, I'm like, mom. And then we flash to another scene where he's like, mom. And then we flash to another scene where he's like, wow, mom. And son's like, well, my mother drives me crazy too. And Sal laughs. In this scene, Alessandra is laughing. She's like, okay, okay, okay. I'll read you his feedback. It is so cute. Are you ready? Generally, he had a great time, but I'm going to go through and Sutton plops down on the sofa. Oh, I need to lie down before you read me this missive. And Alessandra's like, well, I know you're going to do great. Okay, question. What are some positive qualities about my match? Answer. She sounds like a great mom. This is Sal talking about Sutton. Alessandra holds her heart. She's like, oh my God, what a great comment. And Sutton's like, well, this is the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Alessandra just laughs and laughs. And Sutton's like, I am dying. I'm literally dying. And Alessandra's like, okay, question. Do I feel, did I feel captivated, bored, or something in between? And what did he say? He said, captivated. Oh, and Sutton holding her hand to her face like, oh my goodness. Alessandra's like, okay, we're almost done. We're almost done. Question. Did they make me laugh? Answer. No, she didn't come across as an individual who makes a lot of jokes. Ooh. Cause you can think, you know, that you can kind of tell that Sutton kind of prides herself as like a Dave Chappelle type. Like, you know, like, well, let me tell you a little about the world. I say, I say the way I see it. Well, you ever know that thing when you're on the board of a, a ballet company, you know, when they're all like, Hey, don't wear your dick riding pants to magic Mike in Vegas. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Huge laugh break right there. Anyways, Sutton sits up now. It's like, well, well, I didn't see the funny side of Sal either. Alessandra just cackles. She's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. You can tell Sutton thinks she is very annoying. Alessandra's like, well, just having read Sal's feedback, my guess would be that he probably thought you were not into him. So I want to work on giving indicators of interest to the next man that you are going to meet. Sutton still looks miserable. And Alessandra's like, okay, step one, are you comfortable giving a compliment? We want to break these patterns. And Sutton's like, well, okay, so what would be a compliment? And Alessandra's like, um, so like even saying, and Sutton goes, well, oh, I like your belt. Is that a compliment? Alessandra's like, yes, that it. Like, I love your belt. And Sutton's like, no, that is the worst thing you can see. What are you talking about, Alessandra? Alessandra's like, what's wrong with that? And then Sutton's like, well, it's so close to the genitalia area. I was like, wait, what? Like the belt, I thought she was meaning like, that's a dumb compliment, 
But in Sutton's mind, it was like, well, that's where his junk is. His little jammy Allen White and his little Calvin Calvin Klein Tidy White is. If I say his belt, that's saying I want a dong along. I want I want a uh, you know a Toyota dongathon. You know what I'm saying? It says I'm I'm interested in your genitalia area. Also, who calls it genitalia? Well, come on, let me see let me see what you're working at. Let me see that bait and tackle. Let me see the old genitalia area. I say, I say. Sutton and the talking head goes. Men are flattered by anything. You can tell them that you like their ears, and they'd probably be flattered. Men are like big babies. They walk around the earth just like big babies, and um, and and, and I see now I'm never going to get a date because I just said that. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of men are just offended. You, no, we are. We're the fucking biggest babies in the world. We are fucking huge babies. Are you kidding me? You nailed it. But very weird. Um, anyway, Sutton's like, well, let's all get on the second date. Now, Alessandra's like, I love it. I love it. Great attitude. So based on all the feedback from last time, I have a client. Okay. This is Bachelor S. And she shows a photo for her computer of a clean shaven guy um, with all of his hair, which is salt and pepper. And it says VP of sales. 50s, height 6'2", Catholic, genitalia, yes please. And it says, meet Bachelor S, a 6'2", thoughtful, adventurous bachelor, originally from Massachusetts, who is humble, yet successful, with a career in sales, active and athletic. S loves to play basketball and a variety of sports, but he also loves to host dinner parties and values a peaceful night at home. Bachelor S enjoys museums, relaxing at the beach, and learning to play the guitar. He's passionate about community service and believes the real way to be fulfilled is by giving back. S has a strong family value and his son is graduating from high school, so he's ready and excited to prioritize finding this person and son's like well he's cute yeah well i don't know what vp of sales is that's always those always kind of freak me out those kind of jobs like wait you don't know like you don't know vp stands for vice president well i'm, I'm gonna want a p of, uh, what about a p of sales I, want, I don't want vp i want p i want vice i want president of sales Alessandra's like, it's a job, Sutton. Like, you know, it's like a business. He's a businessman. I could easily set you up with billionaires. They're insane. Jeffrey Epstein types. That's not what you need. I know that people around say you need a wealthy man. And Sutton's like, well, leave that to yourself. You don't know what I need, Alessandra. A billionaire could suit me just fine. And Alessandra's like, okay, well, you're going to have an amazing time. Uh-huh. Okay. And then Alessandra, we leave that scene with her going, oh, <laughs> she just, she just laughs. She, oh, <laughs> genitalia. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here we go. We're a new scene and we're back at Kyle's house where she's in the kitchen prepping. Guess what? Apple slices with peanut butter. Oh my God. What a basic snack. This Kyle is really getting after it with that health. Is there, I mean, listen, I've been on so many diets in my life and I've been at that apple with peanut butter thing. And I know everybody's like, oh my God, it's so good, but come on, come on. It made me sad when I saw it. I mean, it is, it's, it's good when you're, I don't know, just it's sensible snacks. Let's have some sensible snacks. Kim is at the front door. She's like, oh, she locked me out. Kyle sees Kim waving frantically and silently shouting, at the door. It's like, <laughs> oh my God. And Kyle's like, I thought this would be open. And Kim's like, well, I know. I thought you locked me out. You look cute. So colorful. Well, your hair looks right, Kyle. What's that? A bird? Kyle's like, this is a diamond and gold hummingbird necklace. It's not a forgiveness gift because my husband cheated on me. I swear. And, uh, 
Kyle in a talking head goes, when my mom passed away, I started having lots of weird incidents with hummingbirds. And they show a picture of Kim and Kyle with their mom, Kathleen Richards, Big Kath from 1979. Kyle takes her large pendant off. Sorry, it was a pendant. Here, you can have it. And Kim's like, no, I want you to. Why? Because when I bought it, I wanted, I was like, I should get this for Kathy and Kim too. Kyle in a talking head says, when Kim and I had our big fight in the back of a limo, and yeah, we get it. We get a flashback from that iconic scene in 2010 with Adrian Malouf, where Kim's like, you stole my god, sorry, Kim says, you stole my goddamn house. And Kyle points, you better fucking take that back right now. Kyle aggressively moves towards Kim in the limo. Adrian's like, stop, stop, I'm a Malouf. And Kyle's like, right now. Wouldn't this be an amazing scene to see in 3D? Because I was watching like Kyle Point and I was just like, oh my God, with 3D glasses, that would be insane. Kyle continues in a talking head. The next day I woke up and I was walking into the kitchen in my old house and there was a hummingbird laying on the floor. I looked at this hummingbird and I started crying and I was like, mom, what do I do? What do I do? And I looked up and Marta, who works for me, was like, Kyle's talking to the birds again. So I guess there was like a dead bird on her floor. Um, but anyways, more importantly, it you know, she's talking about hummingbirds being a sign of her mom. And I will say, remember last season when Rinna's mom passed away and she was seeing, was it a, a bird as well? And they were like, oh, that's Lois. And there's no joke here. I, I will say, I just, I, I, I don't know. I, you know. I miss, I miss my mom. I, I know that's, I, w- I wish, I wish, I don't know. And maybe moms into animals doesn't kick in until six months after they die or something. But I do wish, I do wish I, even if it isn't true, you know, even if it, I just wish I would notice something, you know, um, my ex would talk about even cause our dog passed away this year. And she used to send me like photos in clouds that looked like Brooklyn, our dog. And I could kind of see it, but I never see things like that. And I don't know, obviously, if that's just my mind doesn't work that way. Like I can be silly in here, but I'm not silly in my actual life. Or, you know, maybe I, maybe I'm not open to those things as much as I want, as I should be, or I want to be, but I wish, I wish I had that communion, um, with, you know, with her. And I, I, I wish like I, you know, when I go to sleep, I always wish I would dream of her and I don't really, it's really weird. It's weird. You know, we're what, like three and a half, three and three, three months and three weeks since uh, mom. And I know this, by the way, what a, what a detour. (laughs) Sorry, you guys fast forward this part. Um, But no, I did think about it in this scene, you know, and, and, and Kim and Kyle, at the end of this, they're crying about their mom. And Kim's like, I miss her so much. And I remember being frustrated when I first saw this yesterday because I was like, oh, damn, man. Their mom has been dead for over a, you know, what, 15, 16, like a long time. And it's still so fresh. And that scared me to see. And I'm not ignorant. I've seen things like this before. I'm not saying that it's like, but it, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm saying like, oh, man, I want... Um, sometimes that, uh, I want that pain to go away. And every time I think it's starting to dull, it fires back up or something will happen where I'm like, oh man, I need, I need, I need to talk to mom right now. Or I need to, and, and it's one of those things that just isn't 
getting better in some ways. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it, 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 it isn't getting better. Um, and that's, but I wish, I wish I had these little signs of like humming. I wish I had dead birds on my floor and I'd be like, mom, it's you. I don't know. Anyways. Um, so Kyle is like, Oh, are you getting excited for Whitney's wedding? Cause Kim's daughter, Whitney and Kim's like, I am. I am so excited. I think I look at her. They're a cute couple. They are so cute. I just know that when she's with them, you don't have to worry. I know she's safe. Well, are you bringing anybody to the wedding? And Kyle's like, to which wedding? Well, you're coming to Whitney's wedding, right? I, I think that what I'm saying is I don't want everybody, anybody coming there that isn't in a good place with somebody, or at least if they're not in a great place. So she, I mean, at this point, I think we find out she's talking about Kathy and Kyle. But at this point, I was like, man, she could mean anybody. Does she mean Mauricio? Like, don't bring Mauricio because you're having issues with Mauricio. Does she mean don't bring Morgan, your new special friend, because that could be weird. Like what, it, you know, we find out she's talking about Kathy, but I, I was like, oh, it could be anybody. I'm Morgan Wade. I'm here at Whitney's wedding. I'm going to sing a country song. Kyle goes, I, I would always be. Obviously, I haven't seen Kathy. Well, I actually saw her at the Elton John Oscar party. And they show a photo of Kathy and Kyle from the party one month earlier. And Kyle's like, but I would always be polite, always be nice. And Kim goes, I don't think it's right to overlook and not share what bothered you about it. I'm not hiding. Well, do you think, Kyle, you were wrong in any way? And Kyle's like, do you know? You don't know everything, right? I don't know, Kyle. Okay, so let's just talk about how we fix it then, since you don't know all the backstory. We can talk about that another time if you want. Um, so Kyle here is saying like, I don't want to relitigate this. Um, and also it's obviously they're in an awkward position because Kim does talk to Kathy. So Kim's in a really tough spot, but I will say, I love the cut of Kim's jib in this scene. I loved the way she approached this. I thought she approached this as a very good sibling as I want things to be all right. I, I thought they were almost very mature in this. And it really gave me a lot of hope and made me feel good about Kim. Um, so Kyle and I talking there goes, when Kathy came to my house that day to apologize because of what happened in Aspen, we get a flashback to Kyle's house in 2021 where Kyle is with Kathy going, you know, that night in Aspen, you were in a mood, you were seeing red, you were screaming at me in front of everybody. And it really hurt me and embarrassed me. Kathy with an actual tear in one of her eyes goes, I'm very sorry, Kyle, but I'm mostly sorry for what you said back at the house. Yeah. Kyle continues in a talking head. I really wanted to accept the apology and be able to move on, but it was the behavior after we flash back to the 2021 reunion where Kyle's like, why are you so upset with me right now? Because I got upset. And Kathy's like, oh, just say it. Cause you're acting like a martyr. Like it's just you. And I will say, even though I love Kyle, there is a propensity to act like a martyr in situations. Even in that situation that we started this episode with over at Taco Tuesday, Kyle did it. She brought the focus back to her. Like, how dare you ask me about the jewelry and ask if it's a makeup gift from my cheating husband? It always comes back to Kyle. But remember, this flashback, this 2021 reunion, this is what set everything into motion for all of these changes in her life. And then, of course, her friend passing away. Uh, then we were shown a social media post at 9.47 p.m. at the end of the reunion table taping where it says Kathy Hilton at blocked out. Why is she so upset and crying? I'm the one who bullied and percacuated. She misspells persecuted, but she did percacuated. 
I've been percacuated. I am percacuated all the time for 10 months. Just cruel and disgusting. So Kathy is putting these posts up on Instagram. Kyle Richards, 18, at Kathy Hilton. Why? You know exactly why. This was done on social media. Kyle continues in a talking head. That told me she wasn't really sorry. Back in Kyle's kitchen, Kim goes, I'm only here because I love you, Kyle. I know. And I love her. And I want this to work. I miss our family. I miss our lunches, our barbecues. I miss our fun together as a family. That's been a long time since we've had that. Very long. And two, this wedding's coming up. And then Farah's. But... What if I don't want that relationship? Kyle in a talking head says, I mean, obviously, if Kathy did take accountability and reached out to me and was genuine and wanted to repair our relationship, I would 100% be open to that. I'm just not willing to be mistreated. Kyle in this scene goes, she can't have a conversation like this. She gets so mean. I really can't handle the meanness like the way she talks. At the 2021 reunion, Kyle goes, you came up and you didn't say, this guy just hurt my feelings. I'm so embarrassed. You said, and Kyle grits her teeth to Kathy, we are out of here. Everybody saw. I know. You looked at me like you're fucking leaving fucking now. And I was like, hold on a minute. I'm not proud of that, Kyle. You can't talk to me like that. Kyle crying in this scene goes, I don't like that. It freaked me out when I was little. I don't like that kind of thing. I don't like it either, Kyle. It gives me, I don't know what, I just, I can't, yeah, I can't have someone be that mean and talk to me like that. If she wants to have a conversation, I can do it, but it's not a conversation with her. Kyle in a talking head goes, I'm somebody who doesn't do well with chaos around me. You know, when I was growing up, it felt like there was chaos and, you know, big personalities, you know? My mom was great, but she had a temper. She had a very fiery Irish Aries temper. I just didn't do well with that. That's why at my home, it's very peaceful and calm. You don't hear fighting or yelling in my home ever. Love Bean. God damn it, Love Bean. Stop with the tattoos. You're making me raise my voice, Love Bean. Please, with the tattoos. No, I think this was fascinating information, right? Psychologically. That she was raised in this kind of angry environment and it scared her. And she also said, listen, that's not the life that I want to have. It's not the home that I want to be in. But Kyle right now at this age is learning to finally stand up for herself. And there's so much awkwardness in learning to do something for the first time, learning to do something the right way for the first time. I struggle with this myself a lot is I've have these habits built up that, uh, you know, I don't want to hurt people's feelings or I don't do this or I don't do this or I'll ignore this because I don't want to have the conversation that could be awkward or it could be angry and it doesn't serve me. But you only know that after it all kind of blows up or fucks up or whatever. And it's hard because you're dealing with decades and decades of learned behavior of something that like I've always gone this way and it, 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 you're trying to correct these mistakes and sometimes the only way out is through and it's really hard. And I, I really do understand and empathize with Kyle because she's really scared. And she's like, I don't know if it's worth making up with Kathy. My life is essentially better or at least less dramatic and less angry without her in my life. Um, so Kim goes, well, if you don't even try, Kyle, then just the rest of your life, you'll never know. Then why doesn't she even try when she's the one who created this whole disaster? That's why I'm here, Kyle. I don't know that either one of you want to try. And I don't know that either of either one of you, you, you don't want to try. But I, I think it's so silly. And I tell you one thing, mom never wanted this kind of stuff. This is where Kim makes so much sense. And Kim's crying now. She's like, she was all about us sticking together. It was her racehorses. I don't know what that, her kids. We were all, we, we stick together. Friends come and go and people come and go, but family stays. 
And that was mom. And I understand her more now than I ever did. And certain things, I was angry. I was resentful with certain things with mom. And I don't know after all the work, I was like, oh my gosh, I know why she did that. I'm not angry. I love her. She gave up her whole life for us. And Kyle goes, I think for me, I felt the main thing. What? And Kim's like, I love mom. I know you love mom. I always like, I didn't know how angry I was. Just like, I don't think she knew. Do you think she knew I was upset? It makes me realize like the things that hurt me so much. It's so messed up. How can you still feel this strongly after so long? And they do this beautiful hug. And Kim's like, and I just love her so much. And I know I, I get it. And I think you love Kathy and that Kathy loves you. And I think that sometimes we think about why, why? And maybe there's underlying something else there. Yeah, I think there is. Kyle's like, I'm scared to let her back in. Yeah, because you're, you're trying to set your boundary for yourself because you don't want to be walked on. I get it. So if you don't say, I love you, I want this friendship, I want this sister, but, and Kyle's like, well, now I'm confused. Does she want to do this? And Kim's like, I think she does. I said, would you? And she said, what does Kyle say? It can't be like that either. You both have to say if you want this or not. So you guys think about what's best for you. And Kyle's like, yeah, I'm going to go get a tattoo. Um, no, I thought this was a beautiful scene. I did. I thought there was a beautiful scene. I almost would have put this scene in place of the Sutton dating scene and put the Sutton dating scene with Alessandra right after this because this is a heavier scene. And I thought it was beautiful uh, in a lot of ways. I do think we are leading up to a Kathy appearance on Beverly Hills, like I said, two weeks ago. I think we are going to see the mending of it on this episode. I think it's been... St- I don't know. I, I, if I'm a betting man and, uh, you know, I am, I love wheel of fortune slot machines in Vegas. I would say that we will get a Kathy scene with Kyle in this season of Beverly Hills. Anyways, upbeat music takes us over to Crystal's house. Kitchen. They're preparing Passover dinner with Crystal's daughter and, uh, they're making the Harrow set. Um, and Zoe is doing the Harrow set, the daughter. Uh, Crystal's making the matzo ball for the matzo ball soup. Oh, Rob's there. Um, Max is there, the son. They're talking about the ceremony, the Seder. And Rob is like, yeah, do you know the significance of this? And Max, the son, says, Jewish slaves running away right from Egypt. They couldn't wait for the bread to arise. And Rob says, not arise. That's what happened to Jesus later. Crystal in the talking head says, Chinese culture and Jewish culture is very similar. We prioritize family, getting together, traditions, holidays. They show a picture of Crystal's large family gathering for Chinese New Year. Uh, in her talking head, she goes, and so our marriage melded our cultures very easy. Our families were super into it, and we love to celebrate each other's religions and cultures. Sometimes I think Crystal is so... <sighs> So level-headed and has, I'm not saying she doesn't have her issues. She obviously does. And I'm not saying she doesn't know how to fight because she does. But I am saying that I think she has a fairly, uh, she has a really good foundation of a life. And, you know, even this of like, we love to celebrate other cultures and other religions. I think it's such a wonderful sentiment and it is something that I would love to do and continue to do in my life. But it's one of those things that sometimes isn't the, you know, like, oh my God, you know, it's not like creating reality Von Tees. You know what I'm saying? But I love to watch it. I love that it's there, but then it's hard because then you put Erica Jane into this and you're like, oh, Erica Jane, you really don't have a strong foundation of a life like Crystal does. You have a whole nother journey. And I'm not saying it's a bad journey. I'm just saying it's so different. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, Max is like, can we have Ben and Jerry's? And Crystal's like, you can pick a dessert. You can pick TV time as well. Um, Anyways, the kids go off and uh, 
Crystal goes, hey, Rob, so Taco Tuesday, they keep saying to me, like, you know, you don't engage, you're not speaking up, you know, you're so quiet. We get a flashback to Taco Tuesday where Garcelle says to Crystal, you need to speak up in this group. And Crystal's like, why do I have to get to a point to, like, scream? Why can't I speak with a soft voice? Who told you to scream? And Crystal is now screaming, listen, this group wants me to scream all the fucking time, which I'm so pissed we didn't actually see this in the episode. We get to see it in a flashback. Now, Rob says, well, I think that you have a lot of opinions and you have a lot of very strong opinions. Well, I do. And I think that you just need to share that with them. And she goes, you know, on the other side of just being called out for that, which is just getting very annoying is like the girls are all so skinny now. And we flash back to two months earlier with our patron saying Eagle woman. I am Eagle woman. When Erica arrived, Kyle's like, are you the incredible shrinking woman? Now are you? I'm on hormones. And Dorit's like, you're skinny, Erica. And Crystal goes, well, I want to be the incredible shrinking woman. Look how skinny she is. In this scene, Crystal goes, sometimes I can't focus. Like I'm comparing all of their bodies. Like what does mine look like compared to theirs? That's what I do all the time. So Crystal is talking about this issue that she's dealt with for many seasons and she's dealt with all of her life, which is a very real issue, which so many women and even men face on a daily basis. Um, you know, this is a very real issue. This isn't like Sutton trying to date with a matchmaker. Isn't Erica trying to put her Vegas show up? I mean, it's a very real thing. Um, but, you know, I feel like that's, you know, these shows sometimes get They'll swallow up real issues like this because of some other ridiculous storyline. But Crystal says, like, it's like I don't want to pay attention. Crystal on a talking head said, says, LA is a city that is obsessed with beauty and bodies. And Rob in this scene says, I think you're too self-conscious. Self-conscious. You know, like I think you're too self-aware. Crystal on a talking head says, I work very hard to feel comfortable in groups that I'm in. And I finally started to feel more myself and relaxed. And now I'm back to having this severe distraction, which triggers me in a way that no one in this group could possibly understand. And it's very hard for me. It's affecting me a lot. And Crystal says, I'm distracted because I'm so self-conscious. And Rob's like, yes. And Crystal's like, but I'm working on that. And Rob's like, yep. Yeah, you are. All right. Um, and you know, Rob, you got to appreciate he is that guy that he's not a character like PK. He's not like, hey, what's well, I'm going to tell you how to feel about your put stuff, but your PTSD. He seems like he listens. He seems like he throws in good advice. He's not trying to be the star. It seems like a very real relationship to me. Anyways, Crystal moves on. Jeff's coming, her brother. And Rob's like, that's so amazing. I completely forgot he's coming back. And Crystal's like, I know I'm tracking him, his life. And Rob says, and well, I haven't really talked to him. And he says, did they, he got, he saw her. And Crystal's like, yeah. Crystal in a talking head says, I totally think my brother still resents me for being part of his breakup. Remember the scene from earlier in the season that she said she caused um, the potential dissolution of their relationship with his fiance. They flash back to the FaceTime call with her brother, Jeff, a month earlier, where Rob says, Crystal's feeling some regret. And Crystal goes, I feel bad. And Jeff, who had been crying, says, thank you. Crystal in this scene says, you know, Jeff has always been my big brother. And then I don't know when it was when we got married, when we had kids, when my dad got sick, it shifted to where I suddenly was like, not even like a big sister. I was like a mom. I was like, I just treated him like my son and it comes from a good place, but it's also like, I'm sure that I've put pressure on him that I shouldn't have. That's kind of an interesting thing is that a lot of moms will do that to their sons is really, you know, 
put their girlfriends or fiancés kind of through the ringer. And I think she, what she's saying here is she took up that mantle as well. Crystal Natagined says, I've been too controlling of my brother and too controlling of what I want for him. So I really need to check myself and really take a step back and let him be. And that's the end of that scene. We hit some sexy music going, I'm in the mood for something real, something mine only. It's a rainy evening and the umbrellas are out. Sutton is being, being dropped off at a place called Short Stories Hotel for her date with Bachelor S. Sutton awkwardly gets out of the car while her driver holds an umbrella over her head. And, uh, you know, she's like, well, see, there's a big old puddle right there. I swear, the good Lord up above, this is God telling me something. So it's dangerous out there. Now, by the way, was this the driver she made out with that's holding the umbrella? He's like, please don't go into that date. I love you, Sutton. Oh, I don't want to, driver, but I got to do it. I paid for Alessandra, the matchmaker. Well, anyways, we meet Steve, the silver-haired fox, and he's like, Hi, Sutton. I'm Steve. Well, hi. How are you? I'm Sutton. Nice to meet you, Steve. Well, I've heard so much about you. Well, gosh. Well, watch out. It's slippery. Well, I know. I'm trying not to die. And Steve's like, don't die. We just got here. Well, yeah, yeah. And Steve holds out the chair for her. Would you like something to drink? Well, let me sit down here real quick. Let me get my little my, my little juice, my little ocean spray juice out of my puss. Sutton, the talking head, says, well, I'm putting some more trust in Alessandra. I'm going to be delightful and cheery. Now, in this scene, Steve goes, you look great, by the way. Well, oh, thank you. This old thing? Well, so do you. I, I like your your blazer. Thank God Sutton wasn't. I like your belt right around your male genitalia. And Steve's like, oh, oh, okay, cool. Sutton continues in a talking head. Well, give more compliments. They seem to like that. Sutton in this scene goes, well, I always liked a silver head of hair. Steve looks surprised, laughs awkwardly. I don't know why that was a Steve. You know you have a... A, a big old silver set of hair, don't you? Like that? How is that a surprise? Sutton in a talking head goes, well, what do men want to hear? I don't know. Obviously, I'm not good at this. Now, the server goes, do you guys have any questions? And Sutton's like, well, I don't care. I just don't eat meat. And Steve's like, well, why don't we get the... And Sutton's like, well, I just don't eat meat or chicken. Other than that, I love Sutton. I love she... Well, you know, and I don't eat fish. And I don't eat vegetables, neither. I love that she started with just meat and then she added chicken onto it. And then Sutton's like, and I don't eat spicy food. And Steve stops and laughs. And the server's like, okay, we'll do salmon. And then Steve in the date goes, can I ask you a question? Well, yeah, sure, Steve. So what do you look for in a potential partner? Like, what are some of the qualities besides being like dashingly handsome or something like that? And Sutton laughs. <laughs> well, you say that because, well, you know, I like an outgoing person that can kind of keep up with me, that likes to travel, likes to laugh. And Steve's like, well, I think I saw you play tennis, right? Well, yes, I do. Do you listen to podcasts? Steve's like, I like true true crime. I like to listen to true crime podcasts. Well, yeah, me too. I also like a, a podcast called So Bad School with Ryan Bailey. I say, I say, it's kind of like true crime. This poor man's committing crimes on the daily talking about these women. Oh, no. She says that she likes true. And by the way, when I did meet Sutton at that Jeff Lewis party with uh, Ronnie from Watch What Crappens, she did tell us that she likes true crime podcasts because we were like, oh, we do podcasts about uh, reality shows. She's like, well, I don't listen to those. I listen to true crime podcasts. Anyways, Steve goes, I played a dead guy. And Sutton's like, you did? Yeah. You just laid there? Well, Steve's like, I mean, there's a lot more to it than that. Well, you have to not breathe. I think he's talking about a murder mystery party. And they laugh. And then Steve goes, I like to karaoke. And Sutton's like, oh, I'm a huge karaoke -er. And Steve's like, get out of here. I have like a list of 300 songs in my phone right now. And I have to admit, this is 
got to be a big female boner killer. Like if somebody told you that, I mean, I, I guess it depends on the person, right? But 300 karaoke songs in their phone right now. And Sutton's like, stop it. You do? Steve's like, yep. And Sutton smiles. Well, let me see your list. And Sutton, the talking head goes, well, okay. I may have had it wrong about Alessandra. She's a little quirky and told me not to do some weird things. I'll say, I say, however, I might be trusting the process right now because Steve could be a winner here. And Sutton starts scrolling the list on his phone and she goes, well, I don't know this song, Nookie. Are you telling me the silver-haired fox Steve has Limp Biscuits Nookie on his go-to karaoke list? I did it all for the nookie. What? The nookie. What? So you can take that cookie and stick it up your beep. Stick it up your beep. That That is wild. I would love. Sounds like rolling, 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 rolling. What? Yeah, rolling, 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 rolling. What? I would love if Sutton and Steve do a duet with a Limp Bizkit song. That would truly be incredible. Anyways, the server brings the salmon. Sutton takes a bite and Steve's like, are you liking the salmon? Well, I am, Steve. Okay, well, I'd like to talk to you more after this somehow. Sutton looks shocked and drops her mouth. And she's like, well, oh, oh, yeah, for sure. And Steve's like, well, we talked like the whole time. Well, yeah, I'm a talker. And Steve's like, I'm a listener. Well, that's good. And Steve's like, there you go. So can I have your number? And she's like, yeah, 1-800-EAT-SHIT-STEVE. <laughs> she just says, yeah. And Sutton in the talking head goes, well, I have now broken the one date, one to cuss, I say, I say. And Steve's like, well, I just called you, so you have my number. And Sutton's like, well, you did? Oh, man, to see if I gave you the real number? And Steve's like, yeah, it didn't buzz, so, or ring. Oh, and she looks for her phone in her handbag, but it's on the table. And Sutton's like, well, my phone's right here. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. I could do a Sutton date scene every episode. I just need it earlier in the episode. I think it's a little bit of a lighter affair. Anyways, we now go to one of our final scenes. It's Garcelle at Lakeside Cafe for lunch with old Dorit. Garcelle walks in and the host compliments her outfit, takes her to the table where Dorit is waiting. Garcelle goes, oh, this is lovely. Hello. Hello. How are you? And they do the whole like, welcome to the Oaks. What are you going to have to drink? Just water. Thank you so much. Dorit appears nervous. Also, Dorit seems like she's part of like Sea Org, the Scientology. She's like dressed in like a sharp, like blue sweater. Like it just looks very like, uh, I don't know, just military on an off day. You know what I'm saying? It's very like no, no name brands, no kind of jewelry, just very business. Like, I don't know. It's very, it reminded me of Sea Org. Um, Dorit goes, do you want to look at the menu? And Garcelle's like, no, I mean, yeah, sure. Let's do that. And there's a long pause. Dorit looks at her menu. And he's like, okay. And Garcelle kind of snaps. Yeah. What are you having? Anyways, they order some Greek salad, whatever. And Dorit goes, to be honest, the food is secondary to me right now. And Garcelle goes, yeah, I want to leave. I want to leave the floor to you because I know, you know, and Garcelle goes, I appreciate that. You've said that you don't feel like I hear you, and I want to make sure that not only I do, but you feel like I do. So she really wants to make sure that Garcelle knows and feels that she is listening. Garcelle looks extremely uncomfortable, and she goes, I appreciate that, so I would like to go first. We're both on the same page. Dorit always wanting to get one more line in there after she says she relinquishes her power. Garcelle goes, perfect, perfect. Well, the other night was tough on me. The other night, the word attack just hit me in the wrong place. And now we flash back to that scene once again, where Dorit's like, you just attacked me. I did not attack you, Dorit. Calm down. You and your privilege. I can't. What does that mean? And Erica's like, it means you're white and the words are different. They have different connotations. They have different meanings. 
okay. And Garcelle once again explains, there are certain words that when you point them at me, it has a complete different impact. You have to know who you're dealing with. There's three words you don't say to black women. You don't say aggressive, you don't say attack, and you don't say angry because that's labeling us. So I'm not here to educate you. That's not my job. I don't have the bandwidth to do it, but I feel like you need to be aware of who you're talking to and when you're talking to them of what you say. And Dree goes, when we use the word, and you've heard it hundreds of times in this group. And we get a flashback to 2019, 2021, 2022, where each one of these ladies are saying, attacked, Denise, attacked, Sutton, you keep attacking my character. Erica going, I can't get attacked in this group. Kyle goes, I wasn't trying to attack you. They're just saying attack over and over and over again to make the point. And Dorit says, you know exactly what the intent is. And Garcelle's like, towards me? I don't know if it's ever been said to you. And Garcelle goes, towards me? I don't know. I didn't take notice because that's exactly what the other night was. It was innocent. My intention. I didn't. Listen, if it's offended you in any way. And Garcelle goes, oh, it has. That's why we're here. I'm very sorry. That's why I reacted the way I reacted. I mean, I was emotional for two days. I went to bed crying. I woke up crying. I drove to the beach because I couldn't figure out why I was so triggered by that. But I was absolutely triggered by that. Do you believe that I said that with bad intentions? Yeah, Garcelle says. You believe I said that? Yes, because why else would you say it? Garcelle, why else would you say it? Have you not heard the other people use the word attack? And Garcelle goes, I'm talking about you and me, Dorit. I know, but you're saying, why would I say it like it's unusual? I feel like you're, there, there's something, I want to listen to everything you have to say. I also feel like I need to be able to defend myself. So, if you haven't finished, I want you to get it all out. But some of the things that you're saying right now, they're not only wrong, they're incredibly hurtful. I am reality bontees. No, I mean, listen, this is, um... This is hard, right? I mean, it's hard. It's not hard. It should be easy. You just don't say these certain words. Um, I've been going back and forth with this, you know, because I don't think, obviously, Dorit, but Dorit doesn't think. Dorit doesn't think. Dorit doesn't give consideration to Garcelle after Garcelle's asked for it for so many seasons. And at the same time, yeah, Garcelle may be being overly sensitive, but isn't that her prerogative? And also, isn't that her prerogative as a black woman in this country and dealing with what she's had to deal with? I don't know. You know, like a lot of people are saying Garcelle was out of her depth. She took it too far, but also we don't know. Maybe Garcelle had the fucking roughest week and this just like set her off. We don't know. And yes, this is a show based on women fighting. And it's, it's hard because she has Dorit on her heels and Dorit genuinely doesn't want to be a bad person, doesn't want to be considered a bad person, doesn't want even things like this out there about her. But Dorit constantly kind of does these things. She puts her foot in her mouth. She doesn't listen sometimes to what the other person is saying. Anyways, Garcella in a talking head says, this is exactly why she gets under my skin. She says she wants to hear, she wants to understand, but the minute I start talking, she's on the defense and she's not listening. But I think that's a big little, that first sentence is really key right there, is this is, is exactly why she gets under my skin. Garcelle does not like Dorit. Garcelle has not liked Dorit for as long as I've watched this show. 
Garcelle, in the scene goes, I feel like there's a pattern with you that I don't know whether you're aware of or not, but I'm just going to be completely blunt. It feels like an unconscious Karen behavior with you. And Dorit drops her mouth like, oh, shit. Now, that's a really big thing to throw out the word Karen. It is kind of, I mean, listen, is it? I don't know. I was just thinking, is that the white... You know, she's saying the word attack to use as a black woman. If you use the word Karen to a white woman, is it, you know, it's not similar, but it is this kind of, holy shit, you just said the word Karen? And I do understand what Garcelle said, but, you know, we are not in a place of moving forward. We are in a place of just like, bam, that is like a hard hit at Dorit. And Dorit on the talking head goes, this is a very, very serious, dangerous accusation. It's hurtful. And that accusation holds a lot of implications. And I'm not feeling comfortable with this at all. Thank God PK wasn't there. Don't call my wife or Karen. I can't believe that. Anyways. Garcelle says, I feel like two years ago we were talking about people of color. We flash back to 2020 when Dorit was talking about all the people that she works with are multicultural. She has a lot of black, Hispanic, Filipino. And Garcelle goes, but are the brown people only help at your house? And Dorit's like, no. And Garcelle's like, okay. In fact, my mother's best friend is black. And Garcelle's like, awesome. I just wanted to clarify that. Garcelle says in this scene, has there been growth since the last time that people of color have worked for you? And Dorit goes, I don't know why you keep raising this. And Garcelle goes, because it feels to me like there's something that you're, what does it feel like? I don't know. That I'm racist? I'm not labeling you, but there's an implication here, so I want to know. And Garcelle's like, if there's racist undertones, that's not my fault. I'm not calling you anything. And Dorit goes, well, you just called her a Karen. <laughs> so this is simply about me using a word that triggered you. If that's what this is about, then I'm apologizing. But it sounds like there's something more. I mean, you do realize I'm Jewish, Garcel. And Garcel goes, what does that have to do with anything? And I was even kind of like, what is that? Wait, what? And Dorit's like, well, you reduced me to privilege that night, and I was reduced to privileged. And Garcel goes, you don't have a privileged life, Dorit. We all have a privileged life. So do you. Right, but we are all very privileged in this group. And Garcelle says, you're a child of this world. And by the way, Dorit has it. I'm a child of the world. You speak four different languages. Why don't you understand that being in my shoes is different from being in your shoes? And Dorit goes, I most certainly understand that, and I've never suggested otherwise. What I'm saying by this is I would have thought that both being from marginalized communities, that we would have some common ground, far more than differences. I guess it does seem like you are trying to. I'm not trying to do anything. It doesn't feel that way. Well, that's on you. Well, it definitely feels like everything is on me right now. Okay. Garcelle, to me, there's a little bit of a difference. Why are you saying my name so much? Because that's what I do. Okay. That's what I do. I'm the only one here. That's what I do. Okay. If that's something else that's going to trigger you, then I'll try very consciously not to but it's something I do. Dorit, there's a lot of things you need to work on. Don't say the word attack. Don't say the word aggressive. Don't use overuse Garcelle's name. Garcelle says, I don't want you walking on eggshells with me, which is kind of hard at this point because I figure anybody would. Dorit goes, but you're making me feel that way. You are making me feel that way, Garcelle. I'm telling you, you're making me feel that way. And Garcelle goes, there's something that you've just been under my skin. Yes. And I think that with the things you say, and I think how you say them, and I think the last straw was you saying that I attacked you. I don't know how we're going to move forward, but I'm going to try because I don't hate you. I just feel like I needed to say that what happened the other night really triggered me and it really bothered me. Now, this is the other thing I was thinking because like I, I can't, I don't, I have no knowledge. Uh, I have no, there's not a world in which I have ever walked anywhere near 
in Garcelle's shoes. Because one of my initial thoughts was, oh my God, she spent two days, she went down to the beach because she was so triggered by this. And I was like, triggered by something dummy Dorit said, no offense, Dorit, but like, you know, Dorit says a lot of weird shit. Like, you know, and I, that was my first, like, oh, she couldn't just brush that off her shoulders, but I'm not Garcelle. Like, you know what I'm saying is like, I, I, I might've been able to just brush that off, but I'm not Garcelle. I haven't walked a mile in her shoes at all. And so we've got to take her at her word. And we also have to take Dorit at her word that she didn't mean it in this derogatory manner, but Dorit has been kind of talked to about certain things like this before. It just feels like a bunch of women that aren't listening to each other. Anyways, she says, I'm very sorry that it triggered you and it hurt you. I mean that genuinely. I would never want to hurt anyone intentionally, period. And Garcelle goes, I believe that. I just think the words, the choice of words was horrible. Well, I appreciate you saying that you believe that. Dorit, but you know, even Dorit, you can tell she's on her heels and she's like, oh, thank you for finally forgiving me. Dorit and talking goes, this was a learning lesson for me. I was unaware. And I know now I need to be more aware of what I'm saying and who I'm saying it to. And Garcelle goes, we're going to be good. We're going to be good. Are you? Are you going to be good? This felt very hopeless to me. And I felt like what a weird note to end on. And this is what I'm talking about, just the difference between Salt Lake City and this. And you can't help but compare because they're on back-to-back nights. Anyways, next time on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, we have uh, speeding along in a sprinter van, a bottle cork pops, and Garcelle goes, to our amazing trip. Welcome to Casa Loche. Loche. The ladies seem to be having a wild hedonist lunch, drinking, licking toes and kissing. And then Kyle goes, would you ever date a woman? And Dorit chokes on a bit of her wine. And Crystal goes, would you? And Kyle goes, Yep. <laughs> she doesn't laugh, but I laughed. Garcelle goes, let's talk about sex. And another scene to her sons. And they're like, oh my God. And Garcelle goes, Jack's brought it up. Let's talk about it. And then we have a scene of PK in therapy with three ways. Like the elements I understand. There are also elements that I don't consider her pitster, her PTSD. I consider they are more obnoxious. What a shitty thing to say about somebody's PTSD. Anyways, then we have a scene of Kyle sitting with Morgan Wade looking at her phone. And Kyle's like, I'm so anxious. I really don't know if I can do it. You know, Morgan's like, you can do it, Kyle. I'm Morgan. And then Anna Marie Wiley, the new cast member, once again, talking about Sutton's esophagus. Anna Marie Wiley goes, Sutton, her small esophagus. There is a medical reason why this is going on. And Garcelle goes, "Uh uh-huh. I want to understand. And Anna Marie's like, I'm done. But the small esophagus is not the reason. So that is today's episode. I hope you guys had a fun time. I hope you enjoyed this. And guess what? You made it to the weekend. Please catch up on all of my other shows. Remember, Apple Podcasts did an update, so it now doesn't automatically download all my episodes or any episode, any show that you listen to. So remember, you got to go back and manually do that. So go and do that. It always helps the numbers. It helps. Also, shout out to my sponsors. Um, Take a second to listen to them to see if it potentially interests you and then potentially purchase something in the good old name of So Bad It's Good and Ryan Bailey. But I appreciate you guys. Um, Hopefully, 2024 will be better. It's been a busy week, a big week, big Salt Lake week, big week of work. And uh, yeah. And also, I just did that episode on Patreon. I am wiped out, you guys. But I hope you enjoyed yourselves. And I will talk to you bright and early on Monday. Remember, eat something good, drink something great, dance like no one's watching, kiss something, kiss somebody, not something, kiss somebody only with their permission. Talk to your friends, tell them you love them, read something great, watch something cool, take some time for yourself, and I'll see you back here on Monday morning for a pop culture roundup with the one and only 
the newly engaged Sophie Ross. So Bad It's Good is a Betches Media production. The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. Be sure to send us your emails at so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey at gmail.com and follow the show at so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. Stay bad, baddies. Betches.